What, which, this, that, or the other? From Bonnaroo to Coachella, traversing the music festival landscape can be tricky. That's where we come in with high fives for everyone. The What Podcast with Brad, Barry, Lord Taco, dedicated to exploring the entire festival scene. Brad has worked in the radio industry for more than 20 years and currently lives in Brooklyn, where he is program director for three stations, including one in New York, one in Detroit, and one in Miami. Barry's been a reporter for the Chattanooga Times Free Press, covering all aspects of the entertainment industry since 1987. That's before you were born. Lord Taco, the smart guy who makes these podcasts on our website at thewhatpodcast.com work. Also really good at identifying babies, loves blue-haired moms, PBR, and his beautiful Volkswagen bus. We all fell in love with the Bonnaroo Festival years ago, not only because of the amazing bands that play there every year, but also because of the incredible community spirit that has developed around it. Radiate positivity. And we really like talking about the inside baseball stuff when it comes to putting on a huge music festival. So join us. You can hear the What Podcast on the Consequence Podcast Network or anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to Going There, the crossroads where music and mental health meet. This season of Going There is brought to you by AbV, who is driving the pursuit of better mental health. Over the last 30 years, AbV scientists and clinicians have worked to tackle the complexity of mental illness and today offer a portfolio of medicines and a pipeline of innovation that spans depression, anxiety, bipolar 1 disorder, and schizophrenia. To learn more about AbbVie's work to support individuals throughout their mental health journey, please visit www.abbvie.com or follow at AbbVie on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and LinkedIn. This episode of Going There is also supported by Sage Therapeutics. Sage Therapeutics is a biopharmaceutical company fearlessly leading the way to create a world with better brain health. Their mission is to pioneer solutions to deliver life-changing brain health medicines so every person can thrive. For more information, please visit www.sagerx.com. Today, we are talking with Grammy-nominated hip-hop artist, singer-songwriter, and actor Vic Menza. You may know Vic from songs like Reverse and Liquor Locker. Vic is the founder of the artist collective Save Money, which includes fellow artists such as Chance the Rapper. Vic has been described as a storytelling great, impeccably self-reflective and honest. Vic has a new album dropping September 15th via Rock Nation called Victor, including the new single Blue Eyes. Check out all of Vic's music, tour, and merch info at vicmenza.lnk.to or at rocknation.com. Now, on the Going There podcast, we have the tough conversations to address important issues so we can learn from each other, challenge the stigma of mental illness, and get the care we need. And one of the most important issues that many of us struggle with on our mental health journey is how vulnerable we need to be in order to support our emotional well-being. Now, vulnerability can often be understood in two ways. The first is perhaps a less adaptive way where we interpret being vulnerable as a sign that we are somehow weak or less than, only a risk for being hurt. And if, in fact, we see vulnerability as a weakness, we will often engage in certain thoughts and behaviors that may be harmful to our mental health. So anytime we struggle with our mental health, we may see our struggle as a vulnerability to be criticized, suppressed, or avoided. 
which means that not only will we feel worse, but also we won't be able to address any of the issues we face that may relate to our mental health. Another way of looking at vulnerability is as part of a process of change whereby we are open and curious. From that perspective, when we are vulnerable, we are not weak, but rather strong because we are willing to look at difficult issues that may impact our mental health. If we are vulnerable in this way, we may be less likely to judge ourselves and more open to understanding our struggles and finding useful coping strategies to improve our mental health. And in fact, one of the things that Vic has said is that vulnerability through music is his superpower. He uses music to open up and explore how he is feeling in a way that helps him better understand his feelings and possible pathways to coping. So because vulnerability can be seen in these different ways, being vulnerable can be a tricky balance. No matter how well-intended we might be in being vulnerable, it can be very overwhelming. We are opening ourselves up to exploring difficult experiences, emotions, thoughts, and behaviors that may in time increase anxiety, depression, or anger. And while we may intend on using our vulnerability to be open and compassionate with ourselves, we may inadvertently be critical or judgmental as we learn more about how the way we think or what we do may impact our mental health. And so one of the things that Vic and I talk about is how to make sure that when we are being vulnerable, it is in a way that is most constructive. And he talks about how he tries to balance holding himself accountable for the things that he can control, but not judge things that he can't control that may impact his emotional well-being. And we discuss the range of techniques that he has developed in part as a consequence of his willingness to be vulnerable, including writing and performing music and meditation. Now, as a warning, in case this topic is triggering for you, we will be discussing suicidal ideation as part of our conversation. If you are struggling with suicidal thoughts and would like to speak with someone confidentially, please dial the 988 Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. Now, as we progress through this season of Going There, our goal is to bring you, the audience, further into the conversation. We'd love to hear your feedback questions you have that have been sparked by our conversations with these incredible artists, and topics you'd love to see addressed. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. These help other folks find their way into the conversation so they can go there with us. So let's go there and listen to what Vic Menza has to say. Hey, Vic, welcome to Going There. Yo, what's going on, Mike? So let's get right to it and talk about a song of yours that you feel like really represents your mental health journey. The song that comes to mind is a record called Too Honest that I put on an EP I did called The V-Tape. And I think that maybe 2020 or 2021, that's the one that comes to mind. What about that one you think it makes it particularly representative? That song is particularly representative of my mental health journey in that it dissects the present moment of that time for me and the things that I was dealing with, some of which I still deal with. But it also gives a historical context and speaks about a notebook I found in my mom's house from first grade, so five, six years old. And in that notebook, I found these pages that were filled with the words, I hate myself and I want to die. And, you know, that was earth shattering for me and also gave me a lot of empathy for myself because it made me realize that this present moment is not the beginning of 
the mental health situation for me. And it gave me a lot of grace for myself because I was like, damn, you know, I've been up against this for almost 30 years at that time. And I've managed to live a purposeful and impactful life in spite, you know. So that gave me a lot of grace for myself. And that song, I think, is also representative because it doesn't end on a down, dejected note as some other songs that came to mind when you asked me that question do. You know, it doesn't end on a note of like jump off the ridge, you know. There's another song that I did that's called uh, Wings that I do with Pharrell that I think is also very representative, but it doesn't really end on a on a triumphant note per se. There's a metaphor to it, but it is still like jump off the thing. The song Too Honest, that one ends in like a place of never giving up, you know, and, and constantly striving for peace and for self-love and embracing the journey, you know what I'm saying? And that's the thing that that notebook also gave me a perspective of is like, there's uh, so much to be appreciated just in the process of dealing with this shit and overcoming this shit. And it's not a, oh, I dealt with it, now it's done. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, a this is something that I have to be vigilantly aware of and deal with every day. And that's what that song is saying. I think that's one of the most dangerous things that people are told is the idea that you get over something, you move on from something, you know, you, you, you started at one place and then you get to another and then that's it. Because, you know, my experience of mental health issues, it's, it's never like that. We're sort of constantly, not only at times re-experiencing things like depression, anxiety, cravings from addiction, but also we're also, you know, we're reconceptualizing things that happened to us in the past through a new lens every time we move ahead. And so I think that, you know, what I see with a lot of people is that, hey, they're going through a natural, healthy process, but they think there's a problem because they think they should be quote unquote over it. And I'm not sure where that started, mm. but it, it's, it, I think it hurts a lot of people. Man, we also live in a culture of just misinformation and all the medicine and all of the, now it'd be like the adaptogenics and the nootropics and like all the stuff that it catches me on Instagram. I order it. But all of this is an extension of the idea that you take this magic pill and you just get better and it fixes the problem for you. That's the thing is we live in this culture where we're told that the answer to everything is external as opposed to an Eastern culture and you know, their, their medicine and their meditation and their spiritual programs, the processes and their yogic practitioners. It's like their whole approach to, I guess, mental health, but also just philosophy of life is one of internal overcome, whereas ours is looking for something external. And that's a, that's a lie. One of the things that I think people struggle with is if you look inside, then it becomes hard to not blame yourself for what you're going through. And so how do you balance looking inside and making those changes without then saying, well, it was my fault that I feel this way to begin with, you know, because oftentimes people are really reacting to their environment in terms of how they're feeling, but then the control sometimes is a little bit more within, but it's that, it's that delicate balance of wanting control, but not blaming yourself. You know, in all honesty, I think that 
sometimes I'm okay with blaming myself and not with denigrating myself, but with acknowledging that situations and circumstances are often a function of things that I've done or things that I've thought or allowed myself to think oftentimes unconsciously. And I say that because I spent a lot of time working on transforming and revolutionizing my thought processes. And I spent a lot of time on the intentional thoughts like gratitude. I even have a new little trick that I'm giving myself for gratitude right now, which is every time that I go on Instagram, like kind of subconsciously that I want to write down one thing I'm grateful for. And I just try to keep these thoughts in rotation in my mind, like thanking God for my success, thanking God for my victory. And I say that I'm okay with blaming myself because I do realize that for the vast majority of my life, negative thoughts just played on a feedback loop on an unconscious program and they completely ruled the show. You know, they ran the show and I didn't actively try to counteract them. I didn't know that I could have any impact, any say on the thoughts that live rent free in my head. And it feels to me like it's a no brainer that if you're obsessed with negative things, that shit's going to crash and burn. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so I, I guess I say that allowing myself to be accountable for like the things that are in my control, which is not everything, obviously, but allowing myself to be accountable for the things that have been in my control does give me the opportunity to really be motivated to change the things that are in my control. I'm not going to blame myself for the things that aren't in my control. And I guess I don't even see it as blaming myself, but I do acknowledge the hand that I've played in everything good and bad. Can you give me an example of, of something that you discovered about yourself and you were saying like, well, I see this thought process and here's where it came from and here's the effect it's had on me and now I'm going to make the following changes to that. Yeah, suicidal ideation for sure. That's something that just existed for me from my earliest memories and from like that notebook I was telling you about when, when I was a small child and that idea of I want to die, I want to kill myself was just so pervasive and snuck its way into my life at so many points in time. But I let it just fester oftentimes. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'd be sitting on a plane. I was thinking about this the other day as I was flying back here to Chicago from L.A. You used to just sit on the plane, you know, being first class, just like wishing the plane would crash and just fantasizing about that. And just let it keep happening, let it go and it become a snowball effect and just get out of control. And honestly, no matter what I'm dealing with at this point, no matter how much feels like it's just stacking up and tossing itself at me, I make a, a point to not allow that shit to go on repeat. And I will consciously repeat statements of uh, power and affirmation or acceptance or gratitude in my mind as opposed to letting something like that just run. It's too dangerous. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I like to 
try to do, and I'm kind of curious your thoughts on it, is a lot of times when we talk to ourselves, it's an argument. Like it's at times it almost feels like a beat down, like where you're having these thoughts where like, it's almost like you're yelling at yourself. And I sometimes want to, I try when I'm working with people to say like, try to make it a conversation. So it's almost like, all right, there's one part of you that's saying like, you know, you should kill yourself, you should just die. And it's sort of like, and you sort of want to ask yourself, it's like, what do you, is that what you want me to like? What's the message that you're trying to send to me here? Mm-hmm. Is it that you want me to do that? Is it, is there something else and you don't know how to say it? So for example, like sometimes when people have suicidal thoughts, the, the, the real message is I just need to escape the pain of mm-hmm. whatever is going on. And, and sometimes I find that that's a, a good way of sort of getting to that next phase. We can have alternative thoughts because it's like, you could say to yourself, listen, I hear you. You want to escape the pain, but you don't have to, you don't have to threaten me. You don't have to threaten suicide to get there. You, maybe you didn't know that again, this is a conversation you're kind of talking to yourself. And I'm kind of curious if, if do you, do you think that kind of dialogue can be effective? Do you ever do anything like that when you're engaging in that self-talk? Yeah, I, I do think my self-talk is often a conversation and I spend a lot of time intentionally cultivating myself talking. I have gotten to a point though where a lot of it is repetition, you, you know, cause I feel like the way that my mind often communicates with me or with self is through just repeating shit and obsessing over shit. So a lot of the things that I try to input are repetitive and they may take a conversational form. No, I have a thing I like to say when dealing with shit or my mind is trying to go another direction and I'd be like, my goodwill is a force field through which all things are transmuted into the greatest possible vibrational frequency. Fear is transmuted into faith. Hate is transmuted into love. Loss is transmuted into gain and so on and so forth. And sometimes I'd be like, then my mind would be like, you're just fucking repeating that shit. That shit is bullshit. You know what I mean? And I'll keep going down the line with it. And I'd be like, man, I'm not just saying this. Like, I really do believe that my intentional good energy, that through the use of that, I can transform things in my life because I've seen the evidence, you know, and I've seen what it looks like to revel in a negative energy and where that can go. Then I've seen the tangible financial, spiritual, psychological benefits of intentionally cultivating a good energy. And I've seen what I could do with that. Like I, I've also identified certain things that go across music and manifestation. Like there's a feeling that I get at times when I'm writing maybe the best songs. Like when I was writing this song I was telling you about, it's like a tingling in my spine. It it also maybe, maybe at the top of my forehead, but it's like a, it's like an electric, it's a clearly electric signal. It's a clearly electric energy. And it'll come to me when I'm writing my best shit, but I can also intentionally kind of experience it with, it feels like I'm channeling something. And when I speak something into the universe while channeling that and experiencing that, and I make that, that electrical feeling, an electrical signal take place in my body, I have seen those things 
sometimes just come straight to me. Like I was in jail and I um, got hit with the quote for the lawyer fees. And they were like, this is going to be 20K or whatever. And I was like telling my people, I was like, man, just get me out of jail. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to figure it out. And then I just put up a prayer and I brought that that electrical feeling in. And I just was like thanking God. I was like, I thank God that the money for this lawyer is going to come in the perfect time in the perfect way. And I really felt it. I smiled and I felt that electrical signal. And the day I got out, I went back to Chicago, had a club appearance that night, walked in, my boy handed me 20K cash. Boom. And I was just starting to learn how to use this shit. And that shit just hit me so beautifully because I was like, man, I've been doing things a different way this whole time when it's like, in all honesty, my thoughts that have been, you know, maybe my biggest tormentor can also be if I, if I choose to learn how to use them in that way, they can be my greatest agent for change. And I think one of the things you said at the beginning, you know, you talk about the concept of energy. You know, I think about it either when I say stuff to myself or someone says to me, if you, you say to me, well, that's bullshit. Okay. Now what? That, that's dead energy to me. Mm. If you're saying I can translate pain into healing, well, see, that, that kind of never ends because then I can always be looking for that. If you just call something bullshit, that's the end of the conversation. You haven't done anything for me there. Mm-hmm. But if you're thinking I can translate you know, the, the pain or the hurt into healing, now I'm looking for energy or I'm waiting for energy. I'm trying to connect to something. And that's one of the things, you know, when people have self-talk, I would just ask them is like, okay, does that, you don't even have to evaluate what's rational, not rational, distortion, not distortion, right, wrong. Just ask yourself, what's the function of it? What does it do for you? And, and if you just, you know, just run yourself down, it's sort of like, well, okay. It's almost like if you were talking to a friend and they just kept saying the stuff, I'd be like, all right, what do you want from me? And then by the way, if I listen to you, are you going to stop and that's the thing that, that got me changing my negative thinking was I realized, I was like, even if I listened to my negative thoughts and I thought these horrible things about myself, it wasn't going to stop. It's like a bully that's sort of like, oh, you know, just keep giving me your money. And it's just like, yeah, it's worse. You, you, you're never going to stop this. So now I realize that's a dead path. Yeah. As opposed to what you're talking about, I think looking for that energy, connecting to that energy, that's forever. That never goes away, even if you're not feeling it at a given time, because you can wait for it. You can learn how to cultivate it. And that, that's, that's to me how I, I get out of a lot of types of thinking patterns. It's like, where is it taking me? Is it taking me in an energy place that, that, that builds or grows as opposed to, you know, just stops stuff, which is painful. Yeah, they just get worse. You know what I mean? In my experience, like the more that I allow them to fester, the, worse that they get and the impact, the effect of those negative thoughts becomes tangible. Like I was in an airport the other day and uh, I was walking and I was on Instagram and I was looking at one of my homies who was like posting his Lamborghini truck or something like that. And then he had this swipe back to the year he started, you know, and I've known him like the whole time. And swipe back to the year he started when he was in the closet and swipe forward and he's like, I got the Lamborghini truck. So then I guess I start thinking like, man, why don't I have the Lamborghini truck? And then I start going back, 
back through those years that <laughs> that he just like swiped through showing showing his trajectory. And I was like, well, if I would have done this differently in this year, if I would have done that differently in that year, then this would have been then this year. And it was just a whack thought process. And I had plenty of time to get on the flight. I, I got to the gate. The flight was delayed. I went to the bathroom for five minutes, came back. The flight was fully boarded like they had speed boarded it and sent it out. Missed the flight immediately. And I clearly identified that. I was like, man, that was that was my negative energy. That was my negative thought processes manifesting themselves into my reality. And so I just changed my energy and went and flipped the switch meditated for 30 minutes, waiting on the next flight, and came out the meditation, got on the flight, and they upgraded me right to first class. And I just thought that was so representative of what the results of negative thinking and the results of, like, a peaceful, intentional, like, meditative way of thinking are. And one of the things I want to pivot to or, or maybe build off of that is something that that you've talked about before, which is, the idea that vulnerability through music is your superpower, right? And I'm thinking about, is that, is that quote right? Did I get that right? That sounds someone, right. Someone I'm else say sure. that about you. I'm not sure where I said that, but I mean, I do feel like it is though. And I think about that, that situation. And, you know, so many people think that the way that you deal with mental health things is specifically to not be vulnerable, especially men. I think, mm, think this, yeah. like be, to be tough, be hard, you yeah. know, to sort of, and, and it's, it's exactly the opposite where, because in a situation like what you just described, you have to be vulnerable with yourself to check in on what your energy is. And that only can come from a lot of practice of, of understanding how to check in with yourself, understanding how to evaluate what energy you're at, how it might be representing in the world, how it might be manifesting in the world. And you can't do that unless you start with the, the premise that being vulnerable is, is, is part of this. Even if, if, if someone's not fully on board with being totally vulnerable, to at least acknowledge that vulnerability is part of this journey. It, it's very hard otherwise to really make any changes that are meaningful. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see how you could really make any progress from a mental health standpoint without... A, a level of vulnerability because then how can you identify the truth of the situation? I feel like we are programmed to just try to escape. I know that I've been programmed that way to just look for something to escape. If it's going to be alcohol or it's going to be sex or it's going to be Molly or cocaine or whatever it is, uh, codeine, whatever's going on at the time, Percocets, Klonopin, antidepressant medication, you know, Instagram, social media, everything is an escapist tool. And I haven't found any real solace through escapism momentary for sure. I've definitely found a, a Band-Aid, but like a, deep sense of healing doesn't exist in an escapist doesn't is, is exist in escapism because 
you, the the problem's still there and it hasn't been addressed or had the light shined on it so you can see it clearly. I feel like since I stopped engaging in a lot of my escapist behaviors and, you know, stopped doing drugs, stopped drinking, went sober, stopped, like, just, you know, cheating and whatever, like, escaping through sex and all that. My mental health has gotten a lot fucking better. <laughs> it's like, it's it's benefited a lot from putting down the escapist tools, even even the antidepressant medication. And I'm not like, I'm not a psychiatrist and I'm not on here to tell people don't, don't take antidepressant meds. Sometimes people really need them. But, you know, for me, having like been on so many of them for so long, from Soloft to Wellbutrin and Fexor and Prozac and, and, you know, probably like 10 to 15 medicines since high school, ultimately that shit didn't really work for me. And it was me looking for a magic pill, like looking for an easy solution, an easy fix to a much more complex, like internal process. It was looking for an external fix to something that's an internal thing. And I think that one of the things that's very tough about the concept of escapism, one, as you said, is that it's so, it's so seductive. I mean, you know, sometimes, especially, <laughs> you know, when you, when you struggle with depression or suicidal thoughts, you know, any, something like that addiction, it's just, you want, the pain can be so intense that you just want something that's going to make it go away, you know, and, and, and what you don't necessarily able, you're not able to tap into at that moment is a sense of how we heal, you know, because in some ways, like something like anxiety as an example, like as our body habituates to something that scares us, we do eventually desensitize to it. We do eventually, you know, get better from that if you do it in the right way. And I think that a lot of what you're talking about with meditation, I, I suspect is, you know, taking the time to just look at things or allow the intensity of those things to just be until they get to a point where that's maybe a little bit less. Whereas maybe in the past, I think you or a lot of other people would just be, let me just get away from this. You know, mm. the meditation kind of says like, look, I'm going to sit with it. Yeah. You know, which, which can be very powerful for people. Just the idea that they can sit with something. Yeah. That's the way. I mean, that's definitely what I find through meditation is like, the longer I can endure and sit with that pain and frustration and fear, it's really fear at the, at the bottom of a lot of it for me. And the longer that I can sit with it and endure it and consciously bring my mind back to my breathing and back to this present current moment, the more I can, in a way, almost sedate the feeling, you know, but it's not sedation per se, because it's not a drug. It's just, it's just me coming back to recognize that in this very present moment, everything's cool. Like I even will do some deep dives on mushrooms sometimes, just like a mushroom trip, just completely solo, like in a room and darkness, like put an eye mask on and put a earplugs in and 
I did one where I really went through the feeling of fear and realized that that anxiety and that depression are all just different manifestations of fear at, at its base level, which is a really interesting sensation and emotion to me because it takes similar forms for such different situations. Like I'll experience fear sometimes as like a thousand needles in the front of my face, like acupuncture feeling needles. And that fear may be the same feeling if I'm like super anxious about like the IRS or if there's a dog off the leash, like running up on me. And it's like, I'm experiencing the same feeling. These are such different situations, you know, but I'm experiencing the same feeling. And I was like, I was experiencing that shit pretty deeply yesterday. And I was like, man, I'm going to go to this like spa in Chicago that has like the hottest fucking sauna and the coldest cold plunge. So I went in there and like, I have this breathing exercise I do a lot called the Wim Hof breathing method. It's the Iceman from Norway. I'm sure you know about him. And it's fire though. You know, it's just a, a bunch of intense breaths in and out. And he says it's to oxygenize cells in your body. And then it enables you to hold your breath for longer. So you do it, hold your breath for a minute, do 30 breaths, hold your breath for a minute and a half, 30 more, hold it for a minute and a half. So I'm doing this breathing exercises while I'm in this 180 degree sauna. And then I'm jumping in this cold plunge that's literally so cold that it brings your heart rate down to like, I don't know, it just makes it feel like your heart's barely even beating. Um, and it really impacted those those fear feelings. It honestly felt kind of like drugs in a way. It was like, sometimes I'll do the breathing exercise and I'll be like, yo, this shit really actually feels like drugs. Like, I feel like I'm high, but it's just inside. Like, it's just me. It's just my body. And there's no, there's no crash from it. There's no shame associated with it. There's like no crazy decisions that I'm going to make. I'm not risking like a drug charge because I got those, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like there's no, there's not a risk associated with it, but it is something that I can do that can help to therapeutically address that fear, anxiety feeling in my body. And it's just me though. And you know, you're talking about, you know, these are very, you know, in-depth advanced methods, you know, that you've obviously, whether it's meditation the plunges, like all this stuff. And you're seeing, you're seeing the effects of, of getting on that, that path. And one of the things that we, we ask people is for a lot of people before they've really gotten into that journey, they start thinking about or connecting to their own mental health journey, their own vulnerability through music, right? And you start talking about like a song for you that was representative of your mental health journey. Have, have there been songs along the way by other artists or whether an artist or an album or a song that was like, yeah. you know, this, this was, this was important to me either in getting that started or is one of my go-to that I, if I'm, if I'm struggling. Yeah. I think Tupac, man, I think Tupac was one of the first people to really bring that level of self-awareness and vulnerability in a hip hop. And Tupac, Me Against the World, is one that I always uh, cite and just, like, often come back to. 
in times of need. There's another song actually by Wyclef that is called 80 Bars. I think it's 80 Bars. That song helps me in that way as well. It was cool, man. I was working with Wyclef a couple of years ago and I was talking to him about that song. And he was telling me that when he did that song and that album, it was his Masquerade album, he had uh, lost his father, I believe. And he was just like feeling so much pain and he just went and locked himself in the studio at length. And that 80 Bar song is one of the songs that came from it. So I thought that was dope because it was like similar to my process that oftentimes the music that I make to process or cathartically release those feelings of pain will be the music that ends up having the ability to do that for somebody else. Well, Vic, listen, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to talk. I mean, you have really been out there in the world as a mental health advocate when you don't need to be. And I think it makes a big difference for a lot of people because they're going to listen to your music. They're going to connect to you and they're going to trust you and they're going to listen to you. And when somebody like yourself, like steps up and talks about these things, I think it gives other people kind of a sense like, you know, maybe, maybe I can start thinking about it too. And so Thank you so much for continuing to be a strong mental health advocate. I know it has a big effect on people and helps a lot of people. I appreciate you, man. Thank you for doing this podcast, for inviting me on. It's, it's an amazing platform and an amazing use of your platform to really have these conversations in depth and to give them the space. And, and I'm sure that it's like a way for you to deal with and process your mental health, you know what I'm saying? And for you to get context on what you're going through. So it's like music is the same thing. And I, I'm honored and appreciative of being able to come and have a conversation with you. And listen, best of luck with everything. I hope we get a chance to talk again. All right, love, man. So there it is. Vic Menza and I talking about the role of vulnerability on our mental health journey. Now, there's so much to take away from the conversation with Vic. But I wanted to focus and re-emphasize how important our attitudes towards vulnerability are on our mental health journey. In fact, the idea that vulnerability is a weakness is part of what underlies the stigma of mental illness. Most of us will struggle with our mental health at some point in our lifetime. Whether we have a biological predisposition to mental illness, experience stressful or traumatic life events, or find ourselves engaging in unhealthy patterns of thoughts or behavior. Most of us will find ourselves struggling at some point or in some way. And if we do not allow ourselves to be vulnerable, there is almost no path to improving our emotional well-being. We will stigmatize ourselves and others, avoid and suppress our experience, and just not get the care we need. Whereas if we work on how we can be vulnerable in a way that is helpful for us, where we see ourselves as strong rather than weak for being open and curious about our mental health, we will be more likely to understand our struggle and get the care we need. And this approach will challenge the damaging stigma of mental illness. And I think music is such a great place to start with developing that healthy sense of vulnerability because it is so obvious how artists that can be vulnerable can make such compelling songs that we connect to and find helpful in our lives. And we can use our connection to music as a foundation for learning to be more vulnerable with ourselves 
Perhaps we can write down our own thoughts and emotions through journaling, or we can even have our own creative expression by making our own art. And then we can build a community who supports the idea that vulnerability is a strength. The right mental health providers, support groups, friends, romantic partners, and family members who encourage us to be vulnerable as part of our emotional well-being. And then just like Vic, our vulnerability can become our superpower on our mental health journey. I want to thank Vic Menza for this wonderful conversation. This season of Going There is brought to you by AbV, who is driving the pursuit of better mental health. Over the last 30 years, AbV scientists and clinicians have worked to tackle the complexity of mental illness and today offer a portfolio of medicines and a pipeline of innovation that spans depression, anxiety, bipolar 1 disorder, and schizophrenia. To learn more about AbV's work to support individuals throughout their mental health journey, please visit www.abv.com or follow at AbV on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and LinkedIn. This episode of Going There is also supported by Sage Therapeutics. Sage Therapeutics is a biopharmaceutical company fearlessly leading the way to create a world with better brain health. Their mission is to pioneer solutions to deliver life-changing brain health medicines so every person can thrive. For more information, please visit www.sagerx.com. And I, of course, want to thank Consequence Podcast Network and Sound Mind Live for including me in this wonderful project. And thanks to Pete Wilson and the Rooks for letting us use their song, I Know. If you are struggling with anxiety, depression, or addiction and are looking for help, please call the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration National Helpline at 1-800-622-4357. If you're thinking about harming yourself and want to seek help, please contact the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline at 988. You may also go to the Sound Mind Live and Consequence websites for more information. So be healthy, be safe, and be kind to yourself and others. See you next time at The Crossroads. Hi, I'm Danny Elfman. This is Shirley Manson. This is Debbie Harry. This is Chris Steiner-Blondie. This is Roland Orzabal from Tears for Fears. This is Billy Idol. This is Alex Ebert, a.k.a. Edward Sharp, giving the story behind the song. Hi, this is Peter Chotty, host of the story behind the song. Each month I speak to some of music's biggest artists to get the inside stories behind their most lasting and iconic songs. Join me for new episodes on the third Monday of every month on the story behind the song from the Consequence Podcast Network, available wherever you get your podcasts.